Get ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to the Hour of Power, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, a program of positive book talk with authors and experts that will help you excel in life. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are the mother-daughter dynamic duo here with you every single week, bringing you the best of talk radio. Well, today's show focuses on health at work. Then we'll be interviewing two renowned fiction authors, Lori Foster, with her newest novel, When You Dare, as well as talking about all the community activism that she does, and Hallie Efron of the renowned Efron family of writers with her new suspenseful thriller, Come and Find Me. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Carmony Collection, handmade handbags, canvases, and candles. Visit CarmonyCollections.com. CarmonyCollections.com, that's Carmony with a K, Collection with a K, or call 925-785-7827 and get something for every girl on your list. The miracle moment is money is like manure. If you spread it around, it does a lot of good, but if you pile it up in one place, it stinks like hell. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I guess I chose that miracle moment for today because... We're hoping that you will just run to your computer right now and make a donation to Be The Star You Are by going to bethestarur.org and pushing on Donate. We had a most wonderful experience uh, this week when a new volunteer came into the office who wanted to do some videography and actually wrote a check to the charity and then also uh, decided to... Make a donation for paying for a year of web hosting so we can do something with teens. So thank you to Sherry. And we hope that all of you will do the same as our volunteers are working hard to make a difference. That's at BeTheStarYouR.org. So uh, this past uh, weekend, I was on a a flight from, and I was on, uh, I was picked up a copy of Spirit Magazine. I was on Southwest. And I read this interesting article that was called Blonde-Haired Women Earn 7% More Money. And in a 2010 study of 20,000 Caucasian women living in the United States who had blonde hair, uh, researchers at Queensland University of Technology in Australia, I have no idea why they were studying uh, American women, but anyway, they found that flaxen-haired females consistently out-earn brunettes. The lead researcher... David Johnston compared the blonde wage premium to the pay hike you'll receive from an extra year of education and speculated, Ooh. I know, isn't that interesting? And, and speculated that the increase which occurs 
regardless of careers, it doesn't matter what field you're in, it might be a cultural link between blonde women and, um, and beautiful <laughs> because employees that are perceived to be attractive are more uh, confident, have greater communication and social skills, and are strongly considered by employers to be more productive. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. So give me your, uh, you know, I guess we'll end the dumb blonde jokes for a while, right, Heather? <laughs> I like that study. And then another thing I just wanted to point out, because I found this was interesting, if you um, want to go to this link, missingmoney.com, you can run a search to see if the government owes you any money. According to an article I read, the average unclaimed amount is $280. I went there. Unfortunately, they owe me nothing. And uh, <laughs> also, <laughs> they don't actually work in California, but they do give you a link to check if you do live in California. So that's missingmoney.com. And I thought that was a kind of fun, you know, to find out. I thought that's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. Well, Heather and I are going to talk about your job environment. And is your job actually making you sick? How do you know how to set up your work or office environment for health? There's all kinds of different viruses and things going around. And if you happen to be a working person, you're going to spend most of your day, maybe a third to even half of it at work. So you really need to take in to consideration your office situation and make sure that you are healthy. So although we can't have control a lot of the times over the buildings in which we work, we are able to understand other problems that can affect us. And then hopefully we can make uh, corrective measures that we can improve our own personal environment and our own personal health. And of course, as always, Heather has done her research. She has helpful tips and she's going to help you make that office environment conducive to good health and well-being. So, Heather, mm -hmm. I know that that would be a benefit. If we're healthy, we are a benefit to ourselves and a benefit to our company. What is it that we need to do? Exactly. Well, if you're not home at sick, you're being productive and being working. That's actually a huge financial burden upon the workspace of how much uh, sick time people have to put in, but as well as the, the productivity level um, within their office or their business goes down because there aren't people there doing the work. And one thing that was interesting that you were just saying of how you were on an airplane and picked up the spirit magazine. That right there in its essence is just breathing sickness in a controlled environment, touching something that people all day long, various stages, various health things have been touching and feeling. Magazines are overwhelming with bacteria. Um, I know myself from working in a medical setting in a medical office it's a closed environment of constant interaction with people all day long. And whether um, people are showing symptoms of being sick or not, it's constantly bacteria. So there's ways of just simple little things of cleaning, making your space good. And first I want to say is with um, if you either to get a diluted um, container with bleach and water or those little Clorox wipes are fantastic. I recommend every day wiping down handles. If you have a community uses of pens, to wipe down the pens. Do you want to do anything when it comes to magazines during, um, watch the trends of 
sicknesses, the flus have come in, if you get multiple things, of throwing things out each week. Think of how many people have touched those. Um, and after a while, sitting there, damp residue, there is just breathing bacteria all over those. You know what, Heather? I never thought about magazines in that way. That's really interesting. It's like when I travel, I never use the pillow. I never use the blanket. Uh, I don't touch handles on doors. I try to open things with my elbow. I never thought about the magazines. That's such a good one. Exactly. One thing when coming to your desk in the morning, always wipe it down before you're leaving. Your, your office may have a nighttime cleaning crew, but it's good to always take that extra step as well as that if you eat at your desk or at a common area to wipe that down. Food particles and bacteria that get in, stickiness, other things just will stick to that. Um, again, make it a clean environment for yourself. Also on a food topic, if that work, um, I know here in our clinic we used to have re- with a throwaway cup, a little coffee cup, you know, you drink, uh, they were made of cardboard, styrofoam, plastic, and you throw them away. Well, now we're trying to go green, and so everyone now has bought in their own reusable cup. And the big thing is I do about own. Make sure it's great now in a way of going green of not throwing away these cups. But a lot of times in common areas, even if they have, you know, a little makeshift uh, dishwashing area there, that you stick to using your own cup and you make it known that you only, that you won't, don't want anyone else to share that cup. Because even when you're rinsing out their shit, still the chance of um, cross-contamination, cross-bacteria from someone else. You know, old lipstick residues, simple things that could get on there as well. Um, I recommend carrying a little hand sanitizer in your hand. The best thing before, um, you know, going to eat something or afterwards is to um, wash your hands if you're able to. But if you're on the go, carrying one of those little hand sanitizers is great. Also, here in a clinic, um, what we have is a little kind of, almost like a little Easter egg basket, a little wicker basket that we keep vitamin um, emergency, that's what it's called, little emergency packets. Uh, um, keeping your vitamin C levels in good health is always good, but usually it's the first sign of something. It means that something's already on its way. So always kind of keeping immunosystem buckets there in like an in-communal way so that if anyone's ever feeling something, um, that they can just take it. Another thing as well is if you are feeling sick, stay home. Um, we're the biggest person, um, you know, kind of at fault for those things. We go to work, we feel miserable, everyone tells us we look miserable, um, but we want to tough it out. We think, okay, I, I can do this. And before we know it, we end up staying, having to stay out later than we intended because we got really sick, and as well as we brought something new into our work environment, and you have the potential of getting everyone else sick. Um, so just take that into account that if you're not feeling good, think of, think of your team-wise I'm not wanting to get people sick. Um, also, throughout the day... Heather, I want to just jump in just for a second about that because I think especially today with our economy the way it is, so many people don't want to miss work because they don't have sick days or they're not getting paid or something like that. Is there any tip that you have for those people who are like, hey, my, you know, my paying my rent depends on me going to work, sick or not? So my big thing is then it starts with taking care of yourself in the beginning, getting good hours of sleep, plenty of fluids, noticing the first signs. The biggest thing your body needs when you're sick is resting. When people say, oh, all I did was stay home and rest, using those downtimes then, if um, if you're working a 9-to-5 job and you have an hour lunch, go to your car, find an area, and just take a nap, just rest, get away from people, drink plenty of fluids. It's all with early prevention. 
Um, again, you know, seeing these things of cleaning up around, you know, making sure your at-home environment is clean, um, you know, that you're not allowing bacteria, that always washing your hands um, after going to the bathroom, before and after eating, um, after, you know, interactions with people. I know at work I'm constantly having to have uh, people sign things, and I'm handing the same pen over and over, wiping down those pens, wiping down the common areas, making it so it is a clean environment, being aware if family members are sick or uh, partners or relationships, just stay away from people because exactly that a lot of people feel, you know, I can't afford to miss work. I, you know, I have to work, but it all starts with avoiding getting sick in the first place. And then having the ability, taking medicines um, as well, you know, if you're able to switch this up, working it out because I'm not only – I give the potential of making other people sick at work, but you're not going to be giving 100%. You're not going to be giving the great, the greatest worker able to, and that puts down um, productivity. And as well, that can almost um, backfire on you that your employer may think that you know you're not trying as hard, or um, you know almost upset now that you've infected people. So always, I think it starts with just early prevention-wise. Um, again, the simple things of washing your hands and being aware of other people as well. Or, and similar, if you know, um, you know, if you have something where you have clients coming in and they've expressed their sick, tell them, you know, not, and right now is not a good time to reschedule or um, making it known. Um, for us, we have clinic-wise and they're scheduling appointments. Uh, when the big flu and swine flu stuff was going on, if patients were experiencing um, those kind of symptoms, we requested that they reschedule at another time because when you're in such closed environments, that recycled air um, is going to make you sick. So um, a big thing I said, vitamins, uh, vitamin, those emergency little packets are fantastic. Just keeping up your immune system, eating a well-balanced meal, getting, you know, apple, choosing an apple over some preservative, um, that will help affect you so you can stay in the workforce and not have to um, worry about losing work, and as well as keeping yourself in overall good. And this is, as well as too, is in your um, in your work environment, encourage other people as well to um, you know kind of hop on the hop on the health thing. It's a very inexpensive thing of just keeping your areas clean and your health good, and, and as well, it's going to boost productivity for your business and as well as. Um, for yourself and that. And I, I wanted to say something too, Heather, about when you were saying about home. I think so many of us forget about wiping clean our home phones. I know a lot of people are on cell phones now, but anytime that anybody else touches your phone, so you should be using alcohol or whatever. And the other thing is, is bring some green plants into your office because plants not only add to the beauty of your surroundings, but they clean the air of pollutants and they add mm -hmm. oxygen and humidity to the indoor environment. So these are, you know, according to some studies, they even may add um, something more than just interest by filtering the air and fighting the diseases. So that's all really important. Well, Heather, always as uh, always, great tips that you always have. So we want all of you to take care of your health by taking care of your home and your environment. Eat a healthy diet, exercise your body, mind, and spirit. And make sure you get adequate rest because we want your desire and your determination and your discipline and any, every aspect of your life will, to be essential for having a great job and a, and a happy life. So, Heather, give out the websites. Well, definitely. We want you to go to BeTheStarYard.org, BeTheStarYard.com. Call me clutches, both with a K and HeatherBrittany.com as well. 
And when we return from break, we're going to be talking with bestseller Lori Foster, who not only writes captivating fiction, but also works hard to help authors and writers succeed while giving back to charities and to the community. She's my kind of person. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Rittany. And you are listening to Star Style. Be the star you are. We will be right back. Don't go away. Grab your cup of tea and turn up the volume. Back in a bit. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a changemaker when you dare to care by supporting Be The Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be the Star You Are, a 501c3 top rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Welcome back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I am your personal growth expert, Cynthia Bryan, and every week here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, we showcase incredible authors and experts who enhance and inspire you. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering families, youth, and women through improved literacy and positive message programming like this radio show. So there is an apathy sweeping our country, and as a nation, we've become really accustomed to violence and chaos and abuse and a plethora of negative influences. But Be the Star You Are believes that stories of inspiration and hope should be available to everyone regardless of income or ability. And since 1999, Be The Star You Are has been committed to providing these positive role models for women, youth, and families. So make a donation today. Go to org 
or you can send to P.O. Box 376, Moraga, California, 94556. And thanks for helping the kids. Well, there is nothing better than a writer who entertains, enlightens, and makes a difference. Since 1996, Lori Foster has been doing just exactly that. As a Walden Books, a Borders, a USA Today, a Publishers Weekly, and a New York Times bestselling author, Lori also facilitates events that bring authors and readers together while making contributions to various needy charities. I am so excited to interview this dynamic lady. Welcome, Lori, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. When your publicist first approached me uh, to interview you, I originally thought we were just going to be talking about your many novels and your newest ones, When You Dare, or the previous Back to Black, but you were anxious to discuss another part of your life that is really dear to your heart, the get-togethers. But before we talk about that, and I do want to spend time on it, Lori, because you're doing so much positive giving and, and you coordinate so many good things, I'm really anxious, as our listeners are anxious, to hear a little bit about yourself and how you started writing these amazing novels back in 1996. You must, how many, well, how many do you have now? 150? How many uh, novels? No, no, there's a lot. When they start doing so many reissues and um, repackaging, it gets a little confusing keeping track. Exactly. Uh, I think it's over 80 titles, but um, I, you know, might be 90 by now, I'm not sure. It seems it's just looking at your website. It seems like more uh, just for those of you. I know everybody knows who Lori is, but she's published through many different publishing houses from Kensington to St. Martin's uh, Silhouette Harlequin. And you're with Berkeley right now, right? Berkeley. I'm with I actually I started with Harlequin and I actually with this last contract went back to Harlequin. Harlequin. So oh, like come full circle. But yes, <laughs> I was at Berkeley in Kensington and I've done some novellas for St. Martin. So. So you've done quite a bit. So first of all, um, Lori, how did you get started on you know in writing? I mean, it, it, your characters are so well developed. Your storylines are just intriguing. Do you just have this wild, crazy imagination, or you know, do, was it courses? What what intrigued you in the beginning? Well, thank you. Um, what intrigued me in the beginning? I had never been much of a reader. You know, so often what they give you to read in, in uh, your schoolwork is almost depressing, you know, it's what they call literature, and it's, it's just the very sad aspects of life. And it's not and fun! Got, it, <laughs> and then I got sick one time, and my sister brought me over some romances, and um, I had never read them, uh, but, I, you know, you pick one up, and it's their character-driven stories, and I immediately got involved in them, and uh, before long realized that they, even though they went through a lot of issues within the books, they did end happy somehow, uh, people would overcome the trials and tribulations, and they'd work things out. And to me, that was just such a wonderful thing that I think I no sooner became a reader than I became a writer. You know, that's interesting because I, we always tell people that if you want to be a writer, you have to be a reader. I mean, one of our one of the mottos of uh, "Be the Star You Are" is "Read, Lead, Succeed." And it's so fascinating to me that from the time you found something you enjoyed reading, you immediately were able to write. Well, I was immediately able to write, but I wasn't immediately able to sell what I wrote. <laughs> yeah, well, that's <laughs> it took me there a is a while to get there. <laughs> there, there is a difference, right? Well, yes, let's talk for a minute about your new series, uh, "Men Who Walk the Edge of Honor." Is the new series right with uh, "When You Dare," then "Trace of Fever," and "Savor the Danger" all coming out? 
but um, oh my gosh, did I love your character of uh, of Dare? What a great a great character, and of course uh, Molly. I mean, I love the fact that you have strong females and strong males, and there's something that is so. Um, what is the word? I mean, besides the romance part, they they're they're both using their brains as well as their heart. Uh, did this story? Where did the story come from? Uh, that particular uh, story, it started with just a, a kernel of an idea, and I was watching um, Taken with Liam Neeson, where his oh my god, it's abducted by human traffickers. But for the purposes of that movie, for Liam, in order to, to uh, track down his daughter. He literally walked past a lot of other women that he saw had been caught up in human trafficking because he couldn't free them without tipping his hand, and then he wouldn't be able to rescue his daughter. And that just disturbed me. I thought, how awful that because that's not his daughter, she's left in chains somewhere. You know, uh, I'm glad you brought up Taken. That's one of my favorite movies that disturbed me so much, too. And the fact that you set this one in California and San Diego, you know, I mean, or Tijuana, but going over the border, mm-hmm. it just freaked me out. But I, I, that, was the, that came to my mind right away is it was wonderful the way Dare went in there and rescued everybody. It was. And, you know, the, the, as soon as I started doing the researching on human trafficking, because you, you can't write about something like that without actually knowing what you're talking about, I, I knew it was happening, but I did not realize just how widespread and, and how awful it was. I mean, crossing all boundaries, all age groups, unfortunately, all nationalities. You know, you, you tend to think of um, Hispanics or, um, uh, um, you know, Indian types being brought into our country or, or sold abroad, but it's actually infiltrated to where it's in our country as well, really, really bad in our country, as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, I live in Ohio, and through my research I saw that Ohio is what a lot of the research called a hotbed for human trafficking. And, you know, so many modern things on the Internet now with um, Craigslist and whatnot selling people. And right. I, I was appalled. I had no idea that it was as bad as it was. And We've so done it, was, a couple- it was a huge eye-opener. It's a huge. It's a huge problem. We've done a couple of shows of, about uh, this white slavery and human trafficking, and of course, it's very, very widespread in um, in the Middle East and in the East. And as you said, it is now just taken over the world, mainly because of the the internet access. But the, you had a little curveball in here. In fact, that your protagonist, your your Molly is actually a writer, a best-selling writer, and so I was wondering if you had fashioned her at all after yourself. Um, well, I don't have any hunky people rescuing me from human traffickers, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, there were aspects of my writing that came through, sure. You know, I've had the majority of the readers that I have are the most wonderful people in the world, and even the ones who are unhappy with a book, I, you know, I, I don't would never say that they were not wonderful people. They just sometimes will be a little overzealous and um, and writing me hateful letters and you know. Uh, well, that's that's sort of the... me dead and whatnot. It is. I mean, it has happened. I've had a few extreme cases throughout my career. So you know, and and that way, you know, we've had the police involved a few times with things. So. Um, you know, those parts of it were, but the average reader that I would come in contact with, of course, it had nothing to do with them. They're all wonderful. So, well, and you know, Molly, there were little pieces of it in there, sure. Well, and your, and your character of Molly, first of all, she says exactly that, that she really loves her readers and she wants to be accessible to them, but there's always a few who disagree 
especially with some of, of the words that she is, you know, using or the scenes. We're talking with Lori Foster. She is a best-selling author of uh, probably a hundred books now. We're, right now, we're talking about When You Dare, and we're going to be moving on to other things. But um, I love, as you were saying, how you like romance and how the endings are. You had such a great ending. Oh, thank was, you. Yes, it was a great ending. But how do you write so many, so many books, Lori? I mean, you've got three uh, coming up in the next couple of months. And, you know, in this series, do you sit down and write them all at the same time? Uh, do you, tell me how your day goes. I'm a seat-of-the-pants writer, which means I don't do much plotting, and I don't plan out too far in advance. When I was writing Dare's book, um, I kind of knew at that point that I wanted him to have a partner that he worked with to, to rescue women. So Trace kind of just showed up. He was in the, in the book. But uh, I didn't actually know that Jackson was a character until I was writing Trace's book and Jackson showed up. So, you know, my characters tend to just pop onto the page. One of my more popular books, uh, usually if I ask readers what their favorite book of mine is, they'll either say, Say No to Joe or Too Much Temptation. And Say No to Joe was one of those books. I had been writing a series of brothers, last names were Winston, and all of a sudden one of them got a phone call and it was Joe. And Joe just kind of showed up on the page and he took over and, um, you know, he turned out to be one of my most popular books. So that's kind of how I write. I don't, I don't really plan too far in advance. I'll know that I have, for instance, with Harlequin, I knew I had a three-book contract, so I knew I had to write three books. I just didn't know what those three books would be yet until I actually get to them. That is very exciting. I mean, do you just sit down, do you sit down every day and write, or do you just write a few days a week, or do you write in the middle of the night? I mean, I know when I'm writing, I tend to get my ideas when I'm taking a shower or I'm oh, in yes. water. <laughs> water. That's something about water, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. For me, it's water. When I'm in water, I get all these ideas. It's maybe because I can't have a pen in there. You know? Yeah, you need one of those little tape recorders so you can throw your ideas into those. But exactly. yeah, I keep a lighted pen next to the bed, and I've got notepads everywhere in the Every- house. You know, next to the bathtub, next to the shower, um, in my office, and in the car, and in my purse. And uh, you know, by the time I finish a book, I'll have a million notes scattered everywhere that I have to go through and make sure I... And, and it's weird. If I write it down in a note, I will remember it. If I don't, then I'll think, oh, what was that good idea I had? No, so I, I agree with you. I have to write it down in order to remember it. Lori, I'm just like that. I have to get the idea out of my head, down my arm, and either onto my computer or onto paper mm-hmm. somewhere. Or sometimes I even have to telephone myself and <laughs> remind myself. I will that that really works. Yeah. That, there you go. Well, now let's talk a, a bit about all this good work work you are doing you are planning these uh, get-togethers and you uh, you just have to tell us more about it you this is sort of a, a gift to your audiences to your readers it brings together authors and publishers and editors and and then the money goes to charities and then every year you write a book mm-hmm. tell us all about this well my friend my good friend Diane Castell who also writes as Duffy Brown she and I were just kind of hanging around one day and talking about how wonderful readers are and said we would really like to figure out some way. Uh, conferences are so expensive, and a lot of times new writers or readers, you know, especially in the, in the current economy, they can't afford thousands of dollars to go to a conference to meet other authors or to get together with reader friends and, and discuss their favorite books. So we decided we wanted to start sort of a reader appreciation uh, get-together. I, and, and we just it's always been called the get-together ever since then. And the first year we did it, this is our seventh year we're going, that we'll have here in June, but when we first did it, uh, we were thinking 
if we only get 13 or 14 people, we'll be satisfied and we'll build from there. And I think we had right at 100 our first year. We're up to 322 right now and counting on how many we have this year. And it's just steadily grown. And uh, we have the most amazing volunteers that help out with everything under the sun. Readers that we had talked to online said, well, I'll help with this part. And another one said, I'll help with that part. And they've stuck with us year after year. The, the gals who do our registration for us that, that literally sit down and sign in, 322 people. And then they also help sell our raffle tickets. And then we have the lady who runs the raffle, and she's like an awesome DJ. And uh, she puts a crown on her head and, you know, <laughs> really <laughs> makes a show of it and does a great job. And we have someone who takes pictures for us and... Um, we, we also have like a used, we, we do a, a new book sale, you know, a book fair with all the authors that are there. But also because a lot of readers, again, in this economy, they trade books, which there's nothing wrong with. Um, we do a used book trade. So as long as it's at least a six-month-old book, they can bring their books and trade with other authors. And, um, you know, it, it just works out so well for everyone. Uh, oh, my gosh. I, I have to get to that one of these days. But are they always in Cincinnati? Are they always back your direction? They're always We're in, all, in my Ohio. Of woods because I, you know, I travel. So I'm, I'm a homebody. I have four cats and a dog and a grandson. <laughs> He's right in oh, congratulations. That's probably the best <laughs> part, <you>. right? <laughs> so I don't, I don't like to get too far from home too often. And, you know, as a writer, there's sometimes travel I, I need to do for business. So I try to keep everything else as close to home as I can. And this makes it easy for us to organize and easy for The price is only 50 bucks which doesn't quite cover the meals that are involved. We have a Friday night pizza party and a Saturday morning continental breakfast and then a Saturday lunch and dinner buffet that's, that's real nice. And, and, I, and I see you have like a party, a party at nighttime. I mean, it's just awesome. Well, I want to give out your website so people who uh, want to come to the event can come this year. It is going to be June 3rd uh, through June 5th of Correct. 2011, right? Right. The deadline for registering is May 19th, and it's on okay. my website, lorifoster.com. And if they just go over to the left-hand menu, they'll see community. They'll click on that and then click on the get-together, and it'll take them right to the page where they can register and, and uh, get signed up for anything they want to sign up for. Oh, I just honor the fact that you are doing this. And one of these days, if you ever need another author for one of these books that where you want to give the money to charity, make sure you give me a holler. Oh, I'm not a fiction to. writer, but I, I am definitely an empowerment author, so I would love to participate with you. Yeah, but, that's been one of the amazing things I started that, uh, you know, you call up authors and you say, I know you normally get paid for a story, but how would you like to do one where you don't get paid and we'll just donate all the money to charity? And I've yet to ask a single author who didn't say sure. Right, exactly. And it's, it's just, it's amazing. This is the greatest group of uh, the readers, the authors, the publishers, uh, the editors, the agents, everybody in this community. They're just big-hearted, wonderful, caring people. Well, Lori, you are such a dynamo, and I love the fact that you are writing all these incredible, incredible novels, and I hope that some of them will be made into movies. Wouldn't and that you're, be nice? Yes, <laughs> it would be, <laughs> that would be fun. So this, late, this newest one is When You Dare, and then it will continue on with, uh, with uh, Trace. It's the, the Men of Honor. And it's Lori Foster. Go to LoriFoster.com. Lori, it is a pleasure to talk Thank with you. Thank you so much. Oh, I hope you'll come back again another time and uh, look forward to uh, attending one of your great conferences one time. I know that you'll have a great time. So thanks for gracing us here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you so much.
Thank you, Lori. Well, from one great author to another, when we come back from a very short break, Boston Globe award-winning book reviewer, that's a mouthful, on her uh, crime column and author of the new, very suspenseful thriller, Come and Find Me, we have Haley Efron coming up. She'll be here on Star Style right in just a few seconds. I am Cynthia Bryan. We've got a lot more. Stay with me. Don't go away. You don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Looking for unique, one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7827. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. CynthiaBryan.com. You can be the star you are. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Turn up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thank you so much for staying here, right where the world comes to talk and listen. I am Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are, brought to the airwaves around the globe under the auspices of Be the Star You Are charity Our purpose in providing you this show is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the writer, the producer, and the star of your own life. We want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to be wild and wacky. And, of course, we want you to read some great books. Well, Hallie Efron is one of four successful sisters who write and the daughter of the famous Hollywood screenwriters, Henry and Phoebe, her award-winning novel, Never Tell a Lie, was made into a lifetime movie, talking about turning books into movies, yay, and, uh, uh, and it was called Baby Will Fall, but her newest suspense tale that is such a page-turner is Come and Find Me, and it is following an agoraphobic woman who lives kind of very happily in cyberspace, but she has to come to terms with the real world. Welcome, Holly, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hi, Cynthia. I'm so happy to be here. I love your message. Oh, thank you so much. Well, congratulations to you for all that you are doing besides your award-winning column in the Boston Globe and then your your book being turned into a movie. That was so fun. And now... 
You know, it's interesting. I didn't uh, start out a writer. All, everyone in my family was writers, and I was the one who said um, I wasn't, and very much like the message that you send out, you can be what you want when you set your mind to it. Yes, well, you, I know that you really love teaching and inspiring, and is that is that how you actually started? Is I mean, you were really kind of, you were helping other people. I did start as a teacher. You know, when I was a young, when I was a little girl, people would say, what do you want to be when you grow up? It wasn't a ballet dancer or an ice skater. It was a teacher, and I was for many years, and actually, that's one of the things that I still do. I still do a lot of teaching of people who think they have a novel in them and want uh, need a little bit of help um, uh, nurturing it. Well, and you facilitate workshops and retreats for uh, writers and wannabe authors and also people who are already authors, right? Absolutely. I, I really enjoy working with them. You know, people who write, people who read are really smart and interesting and special. Well, and, and they're creative. And yeah, I, I like you. I mean, I love coaching and helping people. And I, I truly believe that we all have a book inside of us or a story inside of us that is just dying to get out and to be told in such a way. And it's such a gift if you can help other people share their tales because we can all learn from them. Yeah, and I think that's true. And I certainly had my share of help, you know, when I was first writing my novels. And for everyone, you know, with Come and Find Me, I have wonderful writing buddies who read as I go along. And I don't think I could write a good book without, I always say, it. you know, it takes a community to, to, to write a book. Well, you know what? You hit it because writing a book is like birthing a baby. I I always say that. Oh my God, this is my baby, you know. And you know, did you feel that with your first book and now your second one? This is your second child. Uh, well, it, it's it's actually I I actually have eleven books in print. So, that, but this is my second suspense novel that I've written alone. And if only it only took nine months. <laughs> yes, usually right. Take longer than that. A usually nine years. months to get a good first draft. Well, you have several books, but they're not these kind of novels. Your books before were actually to help people for writing, because I know you did what the Everything right. mm-hmm. Guide to Writing, and it, they were mostly in that kind of of thing. But didn't you? All, you also did addictions and delusion. All I the- did. Yeah, I did five um, mystery series novels that I wrote with a co-author, and that was great because I learned I could write, but I was always terrified that I wasn't come come up with a good enough idea on my own. So when we stopped working together, that was a pretty scary time, and I was very relieved when I actually found an idea for my first suspense novel of at all places at a yard sale. <laughs> oh. That is a bit, you know what, I love it, I love when I talk to authors of where they first got their ideas, because of all places, you know, a yard sale, a garage sale, who would think that that would be a great inspiration? I but know, you- I know, and and uh, uh, the woman at the yard sale invited me to go inside her house, because I was asking all about the, what they had done to redecorate, and I went in, and uh, all of a sudden it hit me, what if a woman goes to a yard sale, somehow she talks her way into the house, she goes inside, and, and she, she never, never comes, comes out. out. Right, exactly. <laughs> I know. That gave me the heebie-jeebies. That was when creepy, you, yeah. When you go into this beautiful Victorian, and that's the end. Um, that's very interesting. We won't say any more. But let's talk <laughs> about, I want to talk about your new suspenseful mm-hmm. novel, Come and Find Me. I have to say, this novel was really, I have not read anything quite like it this year. It was a page-turner for me that is about 
cyberspace. It's so intriguing. It dealt with this whole virtual world that I didn't, I don't know that much about, but I thought I was in the movie Avatar or something. So It's funny that you say that. You know what my working title for this manuscript was? Until Avatar. the movie came out. Yeah, it was Avatar. Was it really? Because I'm telling you that I don't know. I, I'm looking right now uh, on my computer where I have, because I can talk to my engineer, I've got my avatars on here, right? But yeah. I never thought about my avatars being anything more than, than talking to Justin, who's my great guy. I, I never think about that until I read your book and how these avatars, they... You, they dress up, and then your character actually orders clothing that looks exactly like her avatar. And tell us about this. Uh, do, did you know a lot about um, this whole hacker's world and virtual world? Uh, this is something you probably had to learn. I did. I did. And, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time working in high tech, but... Uh, not gaming, not not really playing with virtual reality. So, um, but I knew I had, as she said, a character who's afraid to leave the house, and she has all this expertise. So she opens a security business from her house, and I wanted to find a place on the internet where she could run her office, meet with clients, climb the virtual Alps. And so, as I asked around, thinking that there wasn't going to be a place like this, there is. It's called Second Life, and companies like Raytheon and and Coca-Cola own what they call islands there, and they hold corporate meetings. So it's it's very much like what I put in the book, which doesn't seem like it could possibly be, but it is. Of course, there's also a lot of porn. There's also a lot of people pretending to be who they're not. Right, so that was my fear. You know, when reading the story, you had these griefers, you know, these people that are, they're kind of, they're just there to cause havoc, and they're sending phalluses out of the sky and toasters. Right. And I, I, You know, I was scared reading it. I thought, oh, my gosh. I mean, one time I remember, Hallie, I was trying to get on to the NADA site, which is, you know, the National Academy of Television <laughs> television um, people. You know, it's uh, Arts and Sciences. It's the yeah. Emmys. Yeah, so I was trying to get on there, and I typed in what I thought was the website, and it was a porn site, mm-hmm. and it would not let me off. Yeah. It, I could not get off, and it kept sending things, and I was so freaked out. I had to, I unplugged my computer. <laughs> I know, I, I know, bashing the off button, turn off, turn yes, off. I know, so did, how did you feel, you know, when you were experiencing this virtual reality, and did you get to kind of hitchhike with with some of these pros to find, you know, these kind of the bad people on there too? I did. I did. I was uh, I was um, sitting alongside because my own adventures trying to learn about this world were a bit um, short-lived. I ended up creating an avatar, but she promptly fell in the ocean and I couldn't get her out. <laughs> oh, and that is, you know, if, when Which you do something terrifying. like that. I was just going to say, were you not terrified? I bet you couldn't breathe. You think you're drowning, don't I you? I was gasping for breath, and yes. I thought, this is ridiculous, but I was. Yeah. But yeah. she, I, I was um, in what she thought was a safe area, and this cage dropped down over her avatar, and um, it was very, very upsetting. Even though you keep thinking your avatar can't die, your avatar is not even real, and right. yet it's still very frightening. Yeah, but it makes it, I, what came across in the book here, especially, I mean, you have so many twi- turns and twists in it, which I was just, it just intrigued me to no end, that I, the virtual world almost becomes the real world. And that's the scary part, is to some of these people, do you feel that this 
could actually happen? Well, I think there are people for whom the Internet has become their world, and it's both a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, For Diana, who's afraid to go out, it's initially a good thing because she can keep making a living, she can stay in touch with friends, and she doesn't have to leave the house. But as you say, it can become... It becomes a crutch. Yeah, a crutch. It can become the thing you do instead of living your life. Right, right. In which she had to be so, you know, just the fact of going to her mailbox or opening the door was such a stretch. It was so frightening for her. And I felt her heart palpations. And I felt how she wanted that security system all around. But the reality was she really had nothing, did she? I mean, Well, that's the thing. She thought she was safe and she wasn't. And, you know, I, I spend a lot of time at my computer. And I'm always looking at that little pinhole camera in the frame and thinking, is somebody looking back at me? Because it, you think you've secured your boundaries, but have you? Right. Yeah, no, I don't know. And and today we keep reading more and more about how every keystroke can be copied. And, I mean, I'm working on a Mac, and they tell you when you buy a Mac, you're not going to get a virus and nobody can follow you. But is it true? <laughs> yeah. I what think the we... more popular Macs get, the less it's true. I, I imagine that's probably the case, but I know that at the charity office, we have had we have gone through four different computers because of viruses that went in. Everybody w- was on a PC, so we got PCs for the kids, and we've had to go through all these computers because they get these viruses that er- erase everything, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's just such a when hassle. I, when I was researching the world of hackers, one of the things I learned about is something called the drive-by download in which you basically click on a website that you or you inadvertently go to a website and by simply by loading that page you you get the virus or if you or if someone sends you an email and you click on a link that can also download a virus which is why you should you know really be careful about just by going to a website you could that is amazing yes. uh-huh. that is amazing so i was wondering in we're, we're talking by the way to Hallie Efron she spells her name h a l l i e and her book is her newest book is come and find me which i'm sure is going to be optioned as a film as well because it is so in tune with what we're going through today in technology and and the and the real world versus the virtual world but you know, because you do reviews of um, a, um, a crime column for the Boston Globe, did you kind of interweave any of these criminal things into your story? I mean, there were, you know, there were these, these people are kind of on the edge. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, reality is a wonderful source of ideas for fiction. So, sure, I mean, I'm always looking at ideas of how... Computers get compromised, and, and what's interesting is very often it's because somebody left a computer on a train and there was information on it that somebody got hold of. Often the hacks aren't high-tech, they're low-tech. Yes. You know, if somebody, or somebody leaves their machine on, people get into the building. So, I mean, I, do, I did a lot of research about, um, and, I, and I wanted a story that had some juice to it. I mean, I don't really care so much about people getting their bank accounts hacked into or their MasterCard bills, uh, um, their MasterCard's numbers taken, then it's upsetting if it happens to you. But I wanted something that was more kind of life and death. And and as you read it, you know, it does get more into more high stakes. 
Well, it was very high stakes, and you actually used that uh, that scenario about leaving the the computer, you know, right, on a right. on a train, and uh, and I think about that all the time when I travel with my computer. And I actually one time, oh, this was so frightening. I I had a lot of bags, was getting on a a plane, and set my my computer bag down to check in, and uh, somebody grabbed my bag. Oh, yeah, no. Not on purpose, I don't think. I think they just grabbed the wrong bag and. When I reached down to grab my bag, I saw that it was a different one, and I found the person and got it back. <laughs> but, but can you? I mean, it was like I felt like I was in a in a detective movie or or something. I didn't know what was in the bag they gave me. What well, was I going to? If I if I put that in a mystery novel, you then would have been arrested, and in the bag that you that was left for you, there would have been something like drugs or something, yes. and you would have gone to jail, and the other person would have gone off with your computer. <laughs> and and you know what? I mean, I never looked in the bag. It could have been. I mean, it I could have been, been yeah. part of it. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> well, Come and Find Me is the name of this book, and it's Hallie Efron. Tell me what else you have uh, in store. What else are you working on? Are you on something else at the moment? I am. I'm about a third of the way through another novel about a very young woman and a very old woman and a house, believe it or not, in the Bronx. So I'm changing from my usual New England setting to um, a view of Manhattan and uh, having fun writing it. Is this uh, an area, I mean, do you know Manhattan well? I mean, are you having to make trips up there? I did, and and, uh, my character is a uh, curator at a historical society working with 9-11 artifacts, and I did go down to the... um, The the museum isn't open yet, of course, the 9-11 museum, but they do have a, um, a facility down there, and I talked with different curators about about what that work is like so, and I'm and and I've do, I've done a whole lot of research for it. That this sounds really fascinating. This is going to be another good one. Well, Hallie, I love having you on the show and I love talking to you and I'm so happy that you are also helping others and I want people to go to your website HallieEfron.com. You can check out, get her books. You can find out what she's done. You can see the retreats or workshops. Did you have anything that you wanted to talk about that's coming up soon? I know you're you're going to be visiting lots of places and uh, doing book signings and talks. Yeah, I have an event at, at R.J. Julio. It's a bookstore I've been dying to go to in Connecticut in Madison, and that's on the 27th of April. So if anyone's out in Connecticut... Come and find me. Well, and what a great thing. Come and find Hallie. And there's nothing better than going to a book signing and getting to meet your favorite author. So go meet Hallie Efron. And if you check her website, HallieEfron.com, you can see what events are coming up and check out her media schedule and all those things. And Hallie, thank you so much for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. Well, thanks, Cynthia. It's been great fun. It's great fun, and let us know when your new book comes out. We'll get on again. And thanks to all of you for being super listeners. Our aim is to encourage, inspire, inform, and motivate. Cherish the past, dream of the future, and celebrate every moment. And, of course, read a book today. It's like a garden in your pocket. Until we play together next week, I am Cynthia Ryan for Star Style, thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. We'll talk next week. Thanks, Allie. Bye. The star you are, be the star you are, you are the star, be the star you are, keep caring, 
Thank you for being part of our Star Galaxy on today's episode of Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big, overcome obstacles, and realize your potential. For further information, visit www.starstyleradio.com. Join our power party next week right here on World Talk Radio as Cynthia Bryan, Heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive, uplifting, life-changing radio. Until then, be the star you are.